Welcome to Weston's Sermon Podcast of the Week. We are so glad you've joined us today. If you have been encouraged by our ministry and would like to support us financially, you can do so at westonroadchurch.com slash give. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you enjoy this week's message. So I'm excited to preach this morning. Um, We're jumping into not a series, maybe maybe it'll turn into one, I'm not sure yet. Um, But the title of today's message, and I encourage you to take notes, um, I believe that the message that we receive is not supposed to just live in my memory for like half a day. Maybe we talk about it at lunch, uh, or we're a part of a sermon-based connect group. And we talk about it during that one hour, and then we kind of forget it all. You know, there are tons of messages I've preached that I don't even remember. But guess what? When I've taken notes, it not only helps me remember what I heard, but also I, I, I write notes of what God's also speaking personally to me as I'm listening. And in difficult seasons, I've come across sermon notes, and I've read through them, and I go, Wow. Yeah, God, I remember going through that hard time. And when you spoke that word, it, it encourages me all over again to remember God's been faithful. So I want to encourage you to take notes. Uh, I don't judge you if you're not taking notes. If you have your phone out and you are taking notes, I'm not judging you for being on your phone either. Uh, just a disclaimer. But the title for those who are taking notes is The Hideaway. The Hideaway. And... Um, you know, growing up, are, anyone ever remember the Haida bed? <laughs> it's a sofa bed. And uh, we had one growing up. And I just remember when my parents said, oh, we got a new couch, but it's a Haida bed. I was like, what's a Haida bed? They're like, where you hide a bed in a couch. So if we have guests, we can just pull it out. Um, today, that's just, I'm adopting the title to the text. And you're going to understand it a little more. But we're going to look at the life of Saul. And Saul was the first king in Israel. And when, when we hear about the first, like what, what changed that he became the first king of Israel? This is where I want to start this morning. So if you do have your Bible, we're going to like jump through probably three chapters, three or four chapters. First Samuel chapter 8. And I want to read just a few verses because... We're going to also see God's heart in all of this. And so in 1 Samuel chapter 8, look at verse 7 with me. And the Lord is saying something to Samuel. And this is what he says. Do everything they say to you. Who is they? The people, Israel. Do everything they say to you, the Lord replied. For they are rejecting me, not you. They don't want me to be their king any longer. So Israel was basically complaining. And God was saying to Samuel, don't, like it, don't take it personally. They're not saying anything about you. It's actually about me. They're rejecting me as their king. And what you have to understand about when we understand and look at God in the Old Testament, God was personally leading his people. He was leading and involved. And and Moses, as a man speaks face to face, Moses spoke to God, the Bible says. And 
we see God speaking directly to Abraham, get up and go from your father's house. You, so God was very personally and directly involved with his chosen people, Israel. And I want you to get this part. So now God is saying, wait a minute, I've been rejected. Wait a minute, I've been rejected. Not you, Samuel. It's actually me that they're rejecting. So he's saying, you don't worry, but this is the state of my people. They don't want me to be their king any longer. Look at verse 19. But So God even says, hey, tell the people, Samuel, if they want a king, though, this is the reper these are the repercussions. And, and here's what's going to happen. There's going to be an army that they're going to assemble. So some of your kids are going to be recruited. And you could read through it. So Samuel, in obedience, lays that out for the people. But look at verse 19. But the people refused to listen to Samuel's warning. Even so, we still want a king, they said. And we kind of get to the root of what they're actually saying and why. Verse 20. We want to be like the nations around us. Our king will judge us and lead us into battle. Now, here's the thing. You can do life your way or you can do life God's way. And basically they're saying, God, thank you very much. Uh, you've led us thus far, but we want to do it this way now. And, and in verse 20 is really the crux of it. We want to be like the nations around us. That's a scary statement for any of us to read. But how many of us maybe, if we take a look at our own lives, maybe we've leaned on the side of, I want to be like the Joneses. I want to be like my neighbor. I want to be like my boss at work. I want to be like so-and-so. And in so doing, we've actually said to the Lord, thanks, Jesus, but I want to be like them. And I think God, He's grieved by it. And as a pastor, it grieves my heart to hear some stories of people who've kind of said, Hey, pastor, thanks. You don't have to call me anymore. Uh, you know, I've, I've made my decisions and I'm going to live life like this. And I was like, okay, I guess uh, nothing I could do. And I just, for me, I could sleep at night because I hear the Lord saying, It's not you they're rejecting, it's me. It's me. Some of you who share the gospel, you share when God gives you opportunities and you've had a door closed in your face. Don't take it personally. It's actually they're rejecting the gospel, not you. And but sometimes we take it personally and we just have to ask God for his help when that happens. But it should not deter us either. But here's Israel saying, thanks, God. But we, would, we want to be like the other nations. How many of you know God called Israel to be set apart? They're different. And in, in your life and my life, it is no different. He's called us to be different. He's called us to be set apart. He's put His Holy Spirit inside of us. And we carry His presence. Therefore, when I walk in the room, something should change. And it's not me. It's the atmosphere. It's the people who go... Hmm, I, I like being around that person. I, I like what they're about. And it's happened to me personally. And they go, there's a, an aura. 
or a peace. And I go, no, no, no. I, I understand what you It's Jesus. And I just look at those opportunities as open doors. And it's okay to correct their language. They just don't have language. When my wife, we were at a church and she, she led worship. And it was amazing because what we would call the anointing, like that was an anointed, you know, leading of worship, whatever. They said, wow, like you're so talented. They're like, you sing so well. You're so talented. And you see, talent or your gifts, they can fill a room, but it's the anointing that breaks the yoke of bondage off of people. So, uh, you know, I said, thank you. And on the drive home, we were like, isn't it interesting that at that church, they, like the language was broken? Because when you start to think it's talent, then it's a show. And this is a stage and this is, becomes a performance that we show up to. But it's not that at all. And so... It was like, it's very interesting. So the anointing is very important. And God set His people apart. So they were completely out of line. And they were wrong, in my opinion, of God's plan for His own people. When, when they said, thanks, but no thanks. And the warning for us is, we should not live like that. But the temptation is very real. Because we see, oh, they got this and they got that. And how come us and how come me? But I'm called to be set apart. I'm called to be set apart. And God has anointed us for such a time as this to be the light. Not to just dim ourselves so much that we just become like the rest of the world. The light shines in the darkness. And, and it exposes the darkness for what it really is. And so... This is what's going on with Israel. They're basically rejecting God. And the Lord said to Samuel, Do as they say and give them a king. And so it's interesting because God knew, Okay, they've made up their mind. Well, now I, I need to lead them based on their decisions. I, I'm going to give them what they ask for. And, and hence we land on this man named Saul. So when we say Saul's the first king... Now you know the backstory in case you never took time to learn it or read it. It's Israel's decision to say, thanks God, but we don't want you to lead us personally anymore. We want a king to lead us just like other nations. So in 1 Samuel chapter 9 now, I just want to read the first two verses there. It says, there was a wealthy and influential man named Kish from the tribe of Benjamin. He was the son of Abiel, son of Zeror, son of Bekorath, son of Aphia, of the tribe of Benjamin. Look at verse 2. His son Saul was the most handsome in Israel. Head and shoulders taller than anyone else in the land. Isn't that amazing? So not just he's got the good looks and the height, but his father's an influential person. Very wealthy as well. And when I, when I read this, you know, I try to envision Saul. And the, the, you know, when someone walks in a space, you would envision someone of great stature and confidence and showing up. And everyone's like, oh, it's Saul. Oh, he's a big deal. We know his dad. He is a big deal. But uh, what we find right after this introduction to Saul, it says that he leaves uh, because his father's donkeys went astray. 
And he says, son, go, take your servant and go find the donkeys. And uh, I don't know, it's just funny to me. <laughs> it's like, you know, all this big stuff. He's tall. He's the most handsome. Go find the donkeys. You're never too above anything, I guess. And so as they're going, it's three days now they're looking. They can't find these donkeys. And what we discover is uh, Saul says, you know, it's been three days. Not just the donkeys, but I think my dad's going to start wondering, are we okay? Maybe we should head back. But verse 6, there's something here. Verse 6, it says, but the servant said, I've just thought of something. And what he's alluding to is the man of God, which is Samuel. And they called him a seer back in the day. So he's like, there's a seer here who can maybe point us in the right direction. And so now, instead of just going home, they say, okay, let's try to find this guy, this seer. They don't know the name. They don't even... Saul says, what do we have that we can present or offer? Because, you know, that was a custom, is if I'm going to ask something, I'm going to show up, I'm going to bring some gifts. And they're like, well, we just have a piece of silver... And so let's, let's just go and see what happens. And verse 10, he's like, all right, let's try it. This is what Saul says. And it's amazing because as Saul and his servant are showing up to look for Samuel, the Lord speaks to Samuel. And I want to read from verse 15 and 16 of 1 Samuel chapter 9. It says, now the Lord had told Samuel the previous day, about this time tomorrow, I will send you a man from the land of Benjamin. Anoint him to be the leader of my people, Israel. Pretty specific, right? Pretty specific. It goes on to say, He will rescue them from the Philistines, for I have looked down on my people, listen, in mercy, and have heard their cry. Even if they were in the wrong... God said, I'm going to honor what they're asking of me, even if it meant rejection on God's behalf. Verse 17, when Samuel saw Saul, the Lord said, that's the man I told you about. He will rule my people. And I just want to make the point as we get to this part of the story that God works at both ends of a situation. God works at... see. The servant, I don't think it was just like a, a random thought. Because in verse 6 we read it. It said, oh, I've just thought of something. What if we went to look for the seer? Was, was that a natural thought? Or maybe did God, God was in it and God was leading him for this specific purpose? I think God was all over it, if you ask me. Because he already told Samuel a day before. He's like, there's going to be a guy who's going to come, not just any guy, from the tribe of Benjamin. And we, we got the introduction already in verse 2, verse 1 and 2, that Saul was from the tribe of Benjamin. So there, there's no accident going on. It's not happenstance or by chance, but it's, their steps are God-ordained. And as he's showing up, God is telling Samuel, Hey, remember what I said yesterday? That's him. Yeah, this is the guy. You're going to anoint him as the king. And this is the part where we're going to land on this morning. So God works at both ends of the situation. By the way, in your life, as we prayed even earlier, um, you know, back to the miracle of this car that was given to this amazing family, 
God was working on someone's heart because not many people I know just have a car laying around that they could bless someone with for free. So as they were praying last week or so, God, you know our needs. Would you provide? You are the provider. God's moving on the heart of someone else to say, hey, there's a car. Someone needs it. I want to be a blessing. I'm going to give it. Amazing. What are you asking of the Lord and waiting for? You might be one of those two sides. You just don't know. God may, ha may have put something on your heart or someone's name on your heart of how you could show up and how you could bless. And maybe you're the answer to someone's prayer. Or maybe you're the one who's been praying and God is preparing someone on the other side. That's why when it, I said it last week, I'm going to say it again. When it comes to marriage... All my single people, I'm, don't, don't wave at me, but maybe you should, and then just look around quickly to see who's, who's all single in the room. Maybe. Maybe God is in that. I don't know. But, but what I do want to say is keep praying. My, my pastor growing up, Pastor David DiStallo, our general superintendent of the CAOG, you know what he told us when I was in youth group? He said, young people, you got to watch and pray. But he's in the context of church here, not out there, watch and pray. And he said, find the people who are at the altars. So, God is in it. But don't give up. God works at both ends. Don't get frustrated. Don't, don't say, thanks God, I've prayed, I've waited. I'm single, I'm ready to mingle, and I'm going to do it my way. No. Let God lead, let God guide, and the steps of a righteous person are ordered by who? The Lord. And He will bring together. And what God brings together, no man could pull it apart. But the key is, who brings the couple together? God. So what God has joined together, not what I could do on my own, or what I think who I need to be with. It's May God do this. Because what He does, He always backs up. Yeah. Amen. And we need to get to this part. Because this is the part where I really believe God's going to speak to people today. I mean, all of God's Word is anointed. He's already speaking. But I really felt as I was studying and preparing for this message. God is telling him, anoint this guy. He's the guy. He's the guy. Okay. We, we got that, right? Now, he's still looking for the donkeys, remember? That's what they're about. And now Samuel, though, he's like, I got to anoint this guy because he's the next king. What about the donkeys? Well, God cares about that too. So in chapter 9, verse 20, I told you we're going to be in the story a lot. Look, and don't worry about those donkeys that were lost three days ago, for they have been found. You, you catch that? So God cares about the details of life. But check out the next part that Samuel says. And I am here to tell you. So he's like, the donkeys, they're found. Don't worry about that. And I am here to tell you that you and your family are the focus of all of Israel's hopes. Woo! That's a word, right? What if that word was for you today? What would your response be? Like, uh, uh, uh. But let's look at Saul's response, because I think it's important. Saul replied, But I'm only 
Listen to the language. But I'm only from the tribe of Benjamin, the smallest tribe in Israel, and my family is the least important of all the families of that tribe. Why are you talking to me like this? You'd think that he would be honored. You know, you know when Mary heard the news that she was going to get pregnant and carry the Savior of the world, she's like, yes, I'm not worthy, but I will do this, Lord. And Saul's like, what are you talking about? We're, don't you know what family I'm from? We're the least and all of, all of this stuff. And we start to get a glimpse, not just into the, like from the outside, we read at the beginning of chapter 9, Saul, most handsome in all of Israel, head and shoulders above everyone in the land. From the physical appearance, he was all that. Yes? But now he's giving us a glimpse into his inner world, into his mind and his heart. And Saul had a big hindrance, and that hindrance's name is insecurity. Insecurity. Saul was insecure. Even though he could have walked into a room and with a commanding presence, but that was not the demeanor in which he walked around, he struggled with insecurity. And it's amazing, as we're going to read through some of these verses, I want to unpack this a little more for you. And he's saying, I might be the most handsome, I might be the tallest in the land, but in my head, I'm a nobody. I'm a nobody. And I wonder if there are some people here today, this is how you view yourself. And we're going to see why maybe Saul had this complex or this struggle with insecurity. You know, you'd think... Samuel's response would be kind of like, oh, I didn't like your language is different than I thought you would respond. But Samuel, in one sense, pays no attention to Saul's comments. And then in verse 27 of chapter 9, he actually says to him, Stay here, for I have received a, spe a special message for you from God. And I've learned in my own life, when someone has a word, I pay very close attention. I pay very close attention. So I want to read to you what the special message is. And we're going to look at chapter 10 now. And we're going to read this, we're going to read this together. Verse 1. It says, Then Samuel took a flask of olive oil and poured it over Saul's head. Did you notice on Samuel's part, no conversation about the insecurity? It was... God picked you, you're the guy. You're the one. Insecurity or not, you're the guy. So verse 1, what's the first thing he does in response? He, he anoints him with oil. He kissed Saul and said, I am doing this because the Lord has appointed you to be the ruler over Israel, his special possession. Just for a second, I'm going to pause. The next king after Saul was David. And David was anointed, but his appointing did not come for another 20 years. So the language is important. So when he's saying right here, verse 1, the Lord has appointed you. So number one, I've poured the oil over you, a sign of the anointing as the next king. But your appointing is, you're starting now. You're, you start now. The Lord has appointed you to be the ruler over Israel, 
His special possession. I want to emphasize, though Israel rejected God, what is God's position towards Israel? They are still my special possession. Though you may turn your back on God and say, I'm going to do things my way, I want you to know God still loves you. God still is for you. He's not against you. His position has never changed towards people. As sinful as our world is, He still sent Jesus, His Son, His one and only, because of love. Verse 2, when you leave me today, you will, you will see two men beside Rachel's tomb at Zelzah on the border of Benjamin. They will tell you that the donkeys have been found and that your father has stopped worrying about them and is now worried about you. That was his concern. He is asking, have you seen my son? When you get to the oak of Tabor, you will see three men coming toward you who are on their way to worship God at Bethel. One will be bringing three young goats, another will have three loaves of bread, and the third will be carrying a wineskin full of wine. They will greet you and offer you two of the loaves which you are to accept. Do you notice how specific things are getting? Like two men here, three, three men here, and this is what you're going to get and you're supposed to accept it. Look at verse 5. When you arrive at Gibeah of God, where the garrison of the Philistines is located, you will meet a band of prophets coming down from the place of worship. They will be playing a harp, a tambourine, a flute, a lyre, and they will be prophesying. Look at verse 6, very important. At that time, the Spirit of the Lord will come powerfully upon you, and you will prophesy with them. You will be changed into a different person. After these signs take place, do what must be done, for God is with you. Then go down to Gilgal ahead of me. I will join you there to sacrifice burnt offerings and peace offerings. You must wait for seven days until I arrive and give you further instructions. He's being very specific. And verse 6 for me really jumped out at me. Because we look at Saul as this jealous guy. We look at Saul when, when David shows up and kills Goliath and the people are saying, Saul has killed his thousands, but David his ten thousands. And we see David, you know, oh, Saul has this tormenting spirit. David has to go and he's ministering, uh, ministering in his presence to calm him down. And like we just have this picture of Saul that I've overlooked this verse that actually says in verse 6, that he would not be the same, that he would be changed into a different person. And after these things happen, do what must be done. God is with you. God is with you. So there was an anointing on Saul for the work that he was called to do. And he wasn't the same Saul, just a tall guy, most handsome, <clears throat> but that something was different inside of him. And it was the Spirit of Almighty God. And he was not going to be the same person. And what's amazing is, yes, the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. But listen to me for a second. But we cannot sustain God's presence with a one-time encounter. We cannot sustain God's presence in our lives with a one-time encounter. That's why we do Encounter Night the beginning of every month. We had a great time last Sunday night 
spending time here. The Lord was moving. There were prophetic words that were spoken and given. We, we spent time searching and pursuing God. And I needed, maybe once a month is not even enough. I would say every day you should be saying, Lord, I, I'm ready for a fresh encounter. Lord, I'm hungry for more. God, I need more in my life. We cannot sustain God's presence with a one-time encounter. But I have to come back to the insecurities. By the way, just for a second, in verse... Um, I just got to find it. Verse 9. Verse 9 of 1 Samuel 10. It says, As Saul turned and started to leave, God gave him a new heart. And all Samuel's signs were fulfilled that day. That day. You think, man, okay, Saul, you're ready to go now. You're ready to do what God's called you to do. But here's the thing. We can't forget about the insecurities. We can't forget about the insecurities because they're going to show up in a very serious way right now. Right after this amazing thing that we read. Are you ready for it? Look with me at verse 11. It's, it says, so the Spirit of the Lord comes upon him. He's prophesying with this band of prophets. Look at verse 11. When those who knew Saul, I, I have to say it again, those who knew Saul, not the changed man, the Saul who was head and shoulders above everyone, the Saul who was, oh, you're the son of the influential guy, that, that Saul. When, they knew who's, though, when those who knew Saul heard about it, they exclaimed, and I want you to hear this, what? Is even Saul a prophet? How did the son of Kish become a prophet? Verse 12, and one of those standing there said, can anyone become a prophet no matter who his father is? You catch that? The labels that are being thrown at, at Saul. For someone who struggles with insecurity, what do you think that does to a man's confidence? But it said he was changed. He was transformed. God gave him a new heart. It didn't mean that he didn't struggle with the insecurity. And I submit to you that maybe he thought... My encounter with Jesus is enough that I, I don't have to actually deal with my insecurities anymore. And that's a lie I think that the enemy would, would throw at us today. Because we think, well, it's me and Jesus, I'm good. But meanwhile, deep down, we've never dealt with the insecurities. We've never dealt with the struggles. We've just buried them and said, if I just get enough of Jesus, because he's more than enough, and he is. But oftentimes, he's going to reveal the scary things that we've been hiding and have not wanted to deal with. And insecurity is just one of them. You know, it can look very different for every single person. It could be the anxiety, the fear. Why are they there? What are the labels that, which are lies, by the way, that have been spoken or that you've spoken about yourself? And it comes out. We see it clearly in chapter 9, verse 21, when he's like, you're the hope of Israel for God's people. And he's like, I'm, we're the least. My family's this, and we're this, and we're nobodies. And now that he's received this anointing and appointing, he's ready, and, and, and he's with the band of prophets, and everything Samuel said, it's one, two, three, all these things are going to happen. It happened. He received a new heart. 
He was transformed from the inside out. But guess what? Right after this amazing thing we read, those who knew Saul showed up and are like, who is this guy? What does he think he's doing? And that's the voice of, of opposition. It's the voice of the enemy. But it could even be your own voice. And you need to be very careful. And he had to, he, he's struggling now. And I want to read this a little more. So this is going on. And by the way, after that, that part in scripture we just read about those people saying those things about Saul to him. It says that he goes and on his way home, his uncle meets him and he goes, Oh man, we were worried about you. Um, everything okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were just looking for the donkeys. But I want to read verse 16. It says, he told us that the donkeys had already been found. Because he said, oh yeah, we saw the man of God. Saul replied. But Saul didn't tell his uncle what Samuel said about the kingdom. It's interesting, right? Oh yeah, yeah, the donkeys. We saw the man of God. What about your life-changing encounter with the man of God? That will forever change who you are. And he, he said nothing about it. Why? Because it was something that maybe he didn't feel qualified for perhaps, or that in his insecurities, he's like, God, I don't want to do this. God, I don't want to do this. The story goes on, and I really need to get to this part, that uh, though he was already anointed and appointed, they, they still went through the process of how they would land on the king, which, you know, if you ask me, I'm, I'm not quite sure why with, you know, let's bring all the tribe of Benjamin and, you know, from this big group, it gets singled down to two people. It gets singled down to two people, Saul and Kish. They were chosen from among them, it says in verse 21 of chapter 10. It says, but when they looked for him, he had disappeared. So they asked the Lord, where is he? Where is he? So from his dad and him, he was chosen. But now they're saying, where, where is he? And the Lord replied, listen to this. He is hiding among the baggage. Saul, anointed. Saul, appointed. Saul, who God gave him a new heart, was hiding among the baggage. Verse 23, so they found him and brought him out. And he stood head and shoulders above anyone else hmm I, I hear you it is very intriguing it's interesting here's what I want to submit to you that your outward position is very different than who you're positioned with on the inside I'm talking about you and me now like like Saul he had, he had everything. God was with him. Samuel said, go. You're ready to do everything now. And he was still insecure, hiding among the luggage, the suitcases, if you will. And you and me, we've been given the Holy Spirit on the inside. We've been anointed for such a time as this on the earth. But here's the thing. Your position has to be with Christ, seated on the throne of your heart. And so it's not the external position, how, how, how tall you are, who your daddy is. It has everything to do with where you're positioned. And Christ is Lord of Lords. He is my Lord and my Savior. There's nobody like Him. 
And I have confidence that he who began a good work in me will be faithful to complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. This is the hope of the church. This is the confidence that I can step out and say, okay, God, who do you have in my path for me today that I'm going to minister to? Not because of who I am, not because of who my Father is, but because of who my Heavenly Father is and because of Jesus Christ who lives inside of me. And so Saul was the hideaway. Back to the title of the message today. The hideaway. Saul, who had it all. God gave him everything he needed to be successful, to lead God's chosen possession, Israel. And he was the hideaway. He was hiding in the baggage. You can be head and shoulders above everyone else and still be hiding because of your insecurities. He was anointed, but he was insecure. And so insecurity was the hindrance. What if we stopped trying to be head and shoulders taller than everyone else around us? And instead, we just wanted to make sure this one thing was right, that Jesus was Lord of my life. That Jesus was the one sitting on the throne. That with Him, even if everyone mocks me, even if no one likes me, I'm okay. I'm good. My confidence isn't based on anything on the external, but it's what Jesus has deposited on the inside of me. I will go home tonight, and if you didn't like this message, I will sleep in peace. Because I know that I did what the Lord asked of me to do, and I carry it out faithfully. That's my responsibility. And you have a responsibility before the Lord. Make sure He's sitting on the throne of your heart. Make sure... Listen, you might have insecurities. You might have things that you've kind of just swept and you don't want to deal with. you got to deal with them. Because it wasn't, that wasn't it for Saul. We're going to get to another scripture. We're going to get to another scripture in a second. In fact, let's go there. 1 Samuel 15. And, and I actually preached from this passage once. And this is where this sermon was birthed out of. Because I remember saying, I have to do a study. And one day I'm going to probably preach on this. This is that one day. But in 1 Samuel 15, verse 16 and 17, uh, just highlight, the Lord is rejecting Saul in this chapter. Because he started to do things his own way. And that's why I said the one encounter in, in his presence isn't enough to sustain you for a lifetime. And just a couple of chapters later, and the Lord is rejecting him. And look at verse 16. Then Samuel said to Saul, stop. Listen to what the Lord told me last night. What did he tell you? Saul asked. Verse 17. And Samuel told him, although you may think little of yourself. Are you not the leader of the tribes of Israel? The Lord has anointed you king of Israel. I want to stop there. Because Samuel, the man of God, he's calling it out. He's saying, you've been sweeping this under the rug. I know you may think little of yourself, but are you not the Lord's anointed one? In other words, I don't know on this side of heaven if there will ever be a day where I'll be free of some of these things. There's deliverance, absolutely. But we all struggle in different areas. We all struggle. There are, 
There's no perfect Christian. There's no perfect person. If someone says they are, they're lying. They should be in church, by the way. You know? People say, church is full of hypocrites. Good. Should be. They need Jesus. Yeah, some of you got it. People usually leave because they say, that church is full of hypocrites. Well, they need Jesus. They should stay in church. I'm getting off track. Got to reel myself back in. Rowena, I didn't forget about you. Be ready, okay? We've got another testimony coming up before the end of this message. Although you may think little of yourself, are you not the leader of the tribes of Israel? The Lord has anointed you king of Israel. You know, this morning, my, I'm here alone. My kids are unwell, with the exception of Josiah. He's like, Dad, you go preach. You do what God's called you to do. I'm going to stay home, and I'm going to take care of the family. So my kids are watching. Love you all. But there's, you know, if there was a Sunday where I didn't feel like showing up, it could have been today. That's what I'm saying. There are always going to be areas and things that are going to show up where we're like, oh, I don't, why? I don't want... I'm, are you not the person God has chosen? Are you not the one who he's anointed? Are you not the one who's been born for such a time as this? Are you not the one that God has said, go into all the world and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit? Yeah, but I have insecure. Yeah, but no, God's going to help you. But don't hide those things either. As a leader, I'm not afraid to talk about areas where I struggle. Faith is not an area where I struggle. Just like, so don't look at me up here as some superhero, because sometimes I'm a super zero, <laughs> if I'm honest. But I've learned to be real. Number one, I think people would rather follow someone who's real than one who always tries to be right. Um, so I don't, I'm not the one who's always right, but I'd rather just be real and honest. But I also know that I, I can't hide things from the Lord because it's going to be very hard for God to minister in an area of your life that you keep covered all the time. And I've heard a preacher say once, the blood of Jesus can't cover what you don't uncover. So Saul, that insecurity, it's not the thorn in the flesh that you got to put up with your whole life if you would have just surrendered it to God and say, Lord, I know I'm not all that. But if you've called me, the nevertheless, Lord, I'm going to step up and I believe that you're going to give me the confidence I need. And you know what I've realized in life a lot of the times? You'll never feel like you're up to what God has called you to be. But as you step out into the calling, it's in the stepping out in faith that God begins to show you, hey, my hand is on your life. My hand is upon you. There's a special grace that comes through different seasons, especially difficult ones. And you realize, oh, wow, God, I've, I've been able to make it through here, not because of who I am, but by your grace. The grace of God that's on me in this season. And it's amazing when we begin to live and step out. You know, but I look at, at Saul and and, and this insecurity followed him his whole life. And this morning, 
I believe that there are some of you, you feel like you're at a disadvantage. And I say it with air quotes, because just like Saul, you have this narrative, this script that you've bought into for yourself, your own life, that I will never be this and I could never amount to that. And as much as I love to do that, God, I know that's not who I am. And those are lies. Those are lies. Allow the Spirit of Almighty God to remind you of what He deposited on the inside of you, the measure of faith that you've been given, but also the Holy Spirit that He's put on the inside of you, that you are going to do greater works than Jesus said, even did. He said it. Greater works shall you do. Greater works. So Jesus, I thank you that you see in us what we can't even see in ourselves sometimes. But I can't hide things. I can't hide things from God. I need Him to minister in every area of my life. Thank you so much for listening to the Sermon of the Week. God wants to work in your life, and we want to hear it. Please take a moment to share your story by emailing amen at westonroadchurch.com. Thanks again for joining us. We hope listening to this week's message has equipped you to be the light wherever you go.